0: Hey, gang, great news. We have extended our partnership with the brilliant crew at collegefootballisland.com and the Aer Lingus College Football Classic this year. Notre Dame Navy is the big game. And me, Ben, Propo and more going to be out there for all the build up. We're going to be recording pods. There's talk of a live show. We'll be at the game. We are super excited about it. We're going to be dropping special episodes of College Days here on the NC Show in the build-up to it. Lots of brilliant guests coming your way. If you haven't, if you didn't make it over last year, you've got to try and get out there this year or next year's game's been announced as well. So head on over to collegefootballisland.com. Find out more information from the website. We hope to see you out there. Betty from the Block back in the house looking may i say listeners in fine fettle benny the years have been good to you my friend the summer so far has been good to you
1: yeah it it has although um, my my daughter who's just about to turn 12 is now really getting into the idea of like looking after her skin and like she's getting into like face wash and fancy moisturizers and spf and i you know spf that's the important thing you know i've got very fair skin but spf If you stick with the SPF of your life, you'll probably look about ten years younger by the time you're fifty. Trust me.
0: You have always been a man that likes his treatments, likes his (laughs) moisture, likes his facial care. This is already turning into, and you are of course team Gen X, but this is already turning into a Gen X Gen Z kind of thing. I bet Propo has, (laughs) I bet Propo has a bathroom full of moisturizers, toner,
1: liquids, all eye cream. Uh, Do you know what? In the in the airport, flying to Dublin (laughs) last year. And I was there. I was there with him, and he wanted to smell every male fragrance available in duty free. And this was clearly an obsession. And this no will pun sound like, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> um, yeah, I could have worked for an eternity and not come up with a pun that good. So, um, I... this will sound terrible, and I do apologise. He's a he's a man who I wouldn't have thought is obsessed with smelling great. <laughs> I don't mean he smells badly. I spent enough time around him, but I wouldn't have thought, oh yeah, you're you're that guy who wants like a hundred different colognes in your bathroom. But it sounds like that's how it is. That this is this is a man who, above anything else, just wants to smell amazing. It's I could
0: see him up there with, you know, Antonio Pierce places that you wouldn't expect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> next, next time I see Yossi, I've got to ask him just out of interest out of out of those two giant super bowl winning teams who spent the most on fragrance and general facial care and well-being. I'd loved. I I love to, I'd, I'd, oh, I'd love to absolutely. find out. I mean uh, maybe I could see straight I mean straight hands are sharp Dressed, yeah, yeah. well presented kind of guy. It wouldn't surprise me if OC, though, he might have had a reasonably good yeah. budget. Look, we've got a lot to get into on today's show. Uh, the well, our, our, our uh, ideas for doing a movie special were kind of railroaded by. Well, we want to get into NFL London ticketing, and a lot of you have been in touch with the show, so we're going to talk about that, because it's some really interesting things coming up, and I'm really keen to get into you on that subject. There's been some other general NFL news that has got me thinking, sparked some ideas, things I want to roll into, so that's all going to come into play, and we figured, if we're going to get into all of that, Benny, we can't dedicate a whole episode just to Just to football movies, but we want to talk movies. We love a bit of pop culture on this show. So, what we decided to do, get into current affairs, latest news, all that stuff, the top of the show. And then, we are going to have the very first entry into the NC Show Football Movie Hall of Fame. That's right, gang. Every guest that comes on this show, all your favourites and special guests that crop up from time to time are going to be asked to name the movie they want to put into the nc show hall of fame you can guarantee nail it on no doubt about it it's a lock it's a drew lock of the week that mine is obviously going to be draft day. (laughs) you can guarantee it and i can't wait for the draft day episode but before all of that benny you are you have the honor the privilege of having first dibs at the movie you want to put into the NC Show Movie
1: Hall of Fame, how do you feel about that prestige, that honor, that pressure? Um, it is a lot of pressure. I know that the the ears of the world, um, are on me, um, figuring out what it's what it's going to be. And I'm sure some people have got their suspicions, um, due to my niche interests. Let's say, um, is it Varsity Blues? It, it's 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 a film that I, you know, what when I was thinking about the first time I saw this film. I thought back to a conversation that you and I had when I was interviewing you for my new book. And we were talking about how lots of people came to the NFL in the 80s because there were not a whole lot of things on and they might stumble across it accidentally and stick with it and realize they love it. And you made the point of how back in the back in the 80s, you didn't, you know, very few people would have had um, satellite TV at that point and have a channel dedicated to films that if there was a film on and you wanted to watch films, you would watch the film that was on. And that often you'd be exposed to a film that you had no idea about. You had no preconceptions and it really opened your mind because that's the film that's on. So that's the film we're watching tonight. And that's how I, that's how I ended up seeing this particular film.
0: I cannot wait to hear it. I think I know what it's going to be. And I'm looking forward to you you breaking it down. One final thing on this. So we're going to get different guests, as I say, to recommend it. Well, to, uh uh to, uh what's the word i'm reaching for here what to nominate nominate no but is it not nominate but you're you're in- enshrining them into the, in- the training.
1: Yes, enshrining Yeah, enshrining i think
0: is the word i was reaching for yeah. anyway so carlson j Bell, greg propo will get obviously gear propo will obviously be a film after made after the year 2012 um he'll yeah. probably put ballers in and i'll explain it's not a film but he won't care because <laughs> films don't have as much significance for gen z these days All of your favourites will be putting a show into the Hall of Fame. But then we're going to put it to the vote. Then we're going to have the ultimate. We're going to vote off. We'll have a bracket. This is Ben's idea. It's genius. I vaguely understand it. I think I'm following him. But it's basically (laughs) a bracket voting interactive mechanic where you guys at home can decide the ultimate football movie of all time. And then, who knows? The world is our oyster. I mean, if we do go... Look, if we go down... Draft Day is going to get a lot of love. I don't care. It's a bit like when we talk movies in the past, you know, it reminds me of, I don't, every hipster is very much... Bull Durham is one of the great sports
1: movies of all time. We've had this conversation. Just, oh, and I've been to Durham. I've been to the stadium. I've, I've seen. I've seen it all there. I've doesn't got do the, it for me. Literally doesn't, been there and got the t-shirt.
0: Doesn't do it for me. Should do. Should. Everything about that film should be. Mm, ready, it, should, ready. it should. It should. I'm going to be true to myself in the same way. I don't care that people think Bon Jovi are not incredible recording artist. I love a bit of Jovis. I don't, I've always been like that. Betty, you know that. I don't care about. I will thumb my nose at fashion if that's where my gut is at and that's yep. where, where I'm at with draft day. There is no irony in my pick whatsoever. <laughs> this is how I'm, I'm rolling. So you gang at home, decide if you're going to go with me, any given son is going to be on that list. I'm sure. I really hope I could see Rosenthal going varsity blues. Actually, I could see, oh, I could see. Him I, yeah. Um, so we're going to do that. We're going to roll those out over the coming weeks and Looking forward to a lot of fun there. So let's get into that in just a bit, but let's lead off with, with NFL London.
1: Mm. Oh boy.
0: Yeah. So as I said, at the top of the show, a lot of you been, have been in touch with us. Uh, We put some stuff out on social with uh, obviously tickets uh, available or, or not as as, (laughs) uh, is the overriding (laughs) sentiment. Let's start with the positives. It's great to hear from so many of you who have managed to get them. And how excited you are about that because it's something we talk about a lot ben never take this for granted never take it for granted that we're getting football year in year out in our country games that matter it's too easy there's too much of a negativity and i don't mean about the complexity and the difficulty of getting tickets i sympathize completely with that and we're going to get into that i'm talking more about those out there that are Moaning about the matchups. Oh, this isn't any good. Oh, I am somebody that wants to get out of bed, attack the day, and celebrate the good stuff as opposed to concentrating on the negatives. So it's great to hear so many of you share that sentiment. For example, Justin Bentley. Shout out to Justin at the NC Show. Got Bills tickets today. My daughter supports the Giants, so seeing them win last year was my favorite memory. Love that straight off the bat. Shane Harris. I'm going to see my Ravens, and I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, Good evening, Nat. Luckily, I had tickets last year, so he was able to get into the earlier sale after all three London tickets this year. Yay, says Raider Lee. Shout out to Raider Lee. Uh, I mean, so many of you got in touch. Super happy about that. Here's Pierce. I'm going to Jags foul because I can't wait for it. Absolutely buzzing for it. All of this really good, positive stuff. But, 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 but. It's not as straightforward as that here i'm gonna go to jamrock j jordan first because i love that handle
1: nice
0: shout out to jamrock j jordan i think this needs addressing the easy way to stop touts is to have tickets with the buyer's name on them and the only person that can use it have id checks on the gates offering up a solution of how we deal with the touts because so many of you have missed out couldn't get close to getting tickets and then, as all of us as consumers face in different situations, within seconds, tickets are available on scalper sites four, five, six times the price. It's not unique to the NFL, Benny. It's a problem that is ubiquitous. Record- I mean, I had this with Springsteen, right? The- I got lucky. I got lucky. I was in a queue. The queue was, you know, corrupting, glitching, going around in circles, tearing my hair out, and then suddenly some tickets appeared. Bam, got them, right? fluke effectively. Jammy jamster. If not, I'd be paying Christ knows how much for, for Springsteen tickets out there. Loads of our gang are in that position now where they, if they want to go to an NFL London game, they're going to be paying exorbitant fees. So what's the solution? Are, are you following the line? of Jamrock J. Jordan. Is that the answer? Is it because, you know, Taylor Swift, Springsteen, massive recording artists denigrate this monopoly, but they don't have any other option. The NFL's no different. What are the what are the options? Like not vindicating the NFL here
1: necessarily, but what are the options? Well, the thing is, it's like the ticket, the ticket companies are, so let's like, so we talk about ticket touts or scalpers. The thing is, is that those are quote unquote ticket resellers on ticket resale sites. Technically, none of this is illegal. Right. And what's being done is above board. It might be you might consider it immoral. Unfair. Yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? Because I think
0: just to, let's drill down to it. So you're right. It's not illegal. And there's demand for it. And 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 to paint a positive or at least um, a balanced picture. I've definitely benefited in the past from a scalper site when I've been too late to the event, literally, and but really want to go, or my family want to go, and okay, I'm prepared to pay over the odds, and this service is there, and I, and I'm not my there's not a gun to my head, and I choose to do it. But the difference, I think, you you're very much tapping into, is this is a coordinated. I'm picking up hundreds, thousands of tickets with the sole intention of whacking them on a site. So is the, can can we look at limiting? Should they look at limiting how many or how long they go on sale for, or when they go on sale on something like Via Gogo? Or any of, the, isolating
1: them, any of them. The other thing is, is that a lot of these ticket reseller sites have deals with the major sports leagues. Mm. These aren't these aren't companies operating in the shadows. There will be here is the official ticket reseller of insert name of league here. Yeah. So the leagues are making are making money off the tickets twice once when they're sold the first time and a second time when they are when they are resold at an inflated fee now you could make the argument and i'm not i'm not i'm going to present this argument and it's not one i agree with but you can make this argument of anyone who wants a ticket will get a ticket providing they are prepared to pay the going rate right so anything that is in limited supply that people want, the prices go up, right? So you could say, well, if you want to go to the NFL, then sure, if you're prepared to pay a thousand pounds, if it means that much to you, pay a thousand pounds and you can get it from a ticket reseller. Right. Now that is a legitimate economic argument of supply and demand. However, obviously we know that that is that is a nonsense. And can really damage the sport in this country.
0: But I think because are...
1: just to just to
0: just to make the point, or if it wasn't super clear, like it's a it's a reasonable point you're putting forward, or at least you're you're presenting as the vindication, I guess, for reselling sites is look, it's an open market, and if people want to buy them, fair game. But it's how they get their hands on them, the volume of mm-hmm. them. right? That's the issue that fan X, who is sitting there at nine a.m. waiting to get to pay card rate for their seats.
1: Which is not cheap. It's
0: It's not cheap. cheap. Which is not cheap. And then you factor in travel, hotels for those coming out from across the country. Because I know a lot of you out there as well are frustrated that every game is in London. Now, over the years, that's something I've spoken about with NFL UK guys on all the different shows that I've done. And and I understand that the pros and cons for that too, right? Logistically, uh, you know, I get why NFL wants to keep keep the games in London, but that doesn't help you if you're living in Leeds, you're living in Glasgow, you're living in Dublin, you're coming over. It's a chunk of change on top of the tickets, the merch, the drinks, the food, everything else. We know how expensive this is. So it's just frustrating that not that the market's there. If, okay, I didn't bother going on the site. I didn't try, uh, but I really want to go to this event, fair game. But it's all of those fans that do want to go who are getting bullied out of it by these... Walks of 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 mass buying, reselling hubs. It's 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 as you, you nailed it, Ben, it's morally so, wrong. Speaking of tricky odd ones, more NFL players getting suspended for violating gambling protocol. And where I'm particularly interested in this, Ben, is not the players that are going down for gambling on NFL games. I mean, we've talked in the past on the show about the inconsistencies with laying down punishments based on transgressions, right? So Calvin Ridley mm-hmm. gets a year. Other players who do demonstrably more egregious things don't get a year. It's madness yeah we've been but we've been down that road so i don't want to go down that side of it today what i want to ask you and get into is the really gray area here of players betting on nfl versus players and this is here we go so nicholas Petit Frere of the Tennessee Titans, great name, incidentally.
1: Ahead is wonderful.
0: Not a player that jumps to mind, but hey, Titans fans out there might might slap me on the wrist for not knowing him. But don't think he's a major. If I had to say he's a major prominent NFL player, but that's kind of the point that you've got this whole section of players that in the NFL that you think, well, they're made. They're in the NFL. They're making league minimum, or they're about. They're giving away x amount of that to agents and management a whole chunk on tax average playing career three years. It's not it's not a kind of ticket to millionairesville, right? So anyway, I, that's not why I mentioned it particularly, but you kind of wonder why, um, you know, you wonder why they the league are really hard on. It, 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 what could be construed as insider betting i get i get that if you're betting on the nfl and you're in the nfl you're gonna have mates in different teams you're gonna know stuff I, I understand why that is we've got to clamp down on this this is the bit i don't get nicholas petit Frère suspended for six games benny six games because he bet on non-nfl sports at the club facility the club facility which incidentally this the SoFi Stadium with its giant sports book inside the stadium. <laughs> what He's betting on the U.S. Open. He's betting on West Ham Fiorentina. What, who gives a shit? Why does that matter? Why is he getting suspended for six games?
1: Well, I mean, I, d- I do get the idea of the NFL not wanting players doing that at, at team facilities and for it to be like, it then starts to feel like it's somewhat sanctioned within within the organization oh yeah yeah this is where this is where the tennessee titans players go together in the locker rooms to gamble i get why the nfl wants to try and keep a hard line between the teams and players and their gambling now it is totally different it is totally different just putting putting a bet on the u.s open if you're an nfl player i think You've got to have the good saying. I mean, you've got to have the good sense to not break the rules. And if the rules are, you can bet on these things. Don't do it at the team facility. Just don't do it at the team facility. Now, I'm sure this is just an oversight. And I know that the NFL is very, maybe worried is a strong term, but I'm going to go with it. The NFL is worried about players getting in debt to bookies and i'm thinking more shady bookies rather than your typical online gambling portals that are are not run by like some dodgy guy in a pub but they're worried of people starting to owe money to some shady guy who's been putting bets on bets on for them on the side (laughs) jimmy's gonna win (laughs) yeah and then they find their half a million in the hole and they say well here's how you pay us back Here's how you make sure that this touchdown happens. But why you does I, I get time. that? I get that. But this
0: was much more likely to happen before gambling was legalized in so many U.S. states, right? That's oh, sure. it's more like it's less likely that they're going to go to shady bookie
1: bookie. Yeah, there pump. is there is there is no excuse to do it. But I mean, I know that I know that's like a, a, fear yeah, it's that a fair. Down down. It's a fair but argument. That it's a fair argument. But the like the whole thing about in on in the team facilities. I do understand. Now, I would imagine there are a lot of people listening to this show right now. maybe they're maybe they're working, maybe they're working from home or whatever and they're listening to this podcast and you know having a bit of fun distraction while they're doing it. There's probably something in your work contract or be- employee policies that says you can't use the computer that's right in front of you now supplied by your employer mm. to gamble. And you'd probably potentially get in trouble if you were sat in the sat in the office if you've still got a normal office and you were gambling in the office. This is definitely That's not not Propo's
0: office, by the way. Oh, <laughs> hell
1: no. No. the
0: diametric opposite of, of that is going on. You get so, you basically get
1: censured if you don't gamble in, in, in <laughs> yeah. and cave. Yeah, um, no one will be surprised to know that when I wanted to do a chapter in the book on the influence of gambling and how that has improved the profile of the NFL and brought people into the NFL in the UK. I did speak to Ollie. Of course, he was, of he was the, he was the best place person for that. But I, I, I bet there's a lot of you who cannot gamble at work. And that if someone saw you in your lunch hour playing online poker, someone might raise an eyebrow and say to a boss, should they be doing that? You know? So it is still a workplace, and I think the NFL is trying to use those sorts of rules to just make it as difficult as possible. They know that they cannot realistically prevent every NFL player from putting any money on completely unrelated events. But if they can do something to slow them down and make them think, oh, it's not worth the hassle, I think they're going to do it. Yeah, uh, just, I hear just follow you. the rules. Just follow the rules, guys,
0: that, that's and you'll be a, fine. That's a fair point. You know, Don't be stupid. Uh, And look, I I said I didn't want to get into the inconsistency of violation penalties. I guess it's inevitable that that's got to be a part of it because whichever way you cut it, domestic violence, domestic abuse, four games, betting on Leeds, Southampton, four games. What? Yeah. (laughs) What? Yeah. Okay. Next up. This got me thinking, Benny, which is always a, I appreciate a dangerous thing. Hmm. Great J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt joining CBS as one of their studio analysts, uh, starting, of course, this coming season. This is J.J.'s quote. Hopefully fans will enjoy the insights and knowledge I've gained over my 12 years in the NFL. If we're lucky, we'll share a few laughs along the way as well. I mean, he's definitely somebody that has demonstrated over the years in the media stuff he's done. That he looks like he's a good crack. Like he'd be, he looks like he will be <laughs> a lot of fun. Obviously one of the great players of, of all time and, and certainly of his generation. So he'll be able to, to certainly draw on that experience. It's not always a given as we've seen so many times over the years that everybody is OC or J belt able to articulate and add, the right balance of insight and personality into the gig i've worked with obviously without naming names with ex players in both codes of football where you see firsthand that it isn't as straightforward as rocking up and getting into it because he played the game at a high level for for a long time you can tell a mile off when players X players are are winging that so it isn't it isn't a given and of course just to follow that through when you've got a seat on one of the big platforms in the u.s it is highly competitive and we we've talked to i think on the show in the past you've seen firsthand of course um working with a lot of the players that are involved in the nfl broadcast program there's a broadcast boot camp and we've Particularly with with Talk Sport, when we've covered Super Bowls, assigned X number of players, many of whom are still playing, like Wesley Woodyard, uh, uh, Mike Adams and Co, the great Jason Kabinda, who's still rolling. Uh, we must get Jason on the show. All assigned to us for the week, and they are doing all. They're doing lots of other media ops as well, but they're doing lots of our shows, doing the live broadcast, and this is when they're still at the height of their powers and peak playing time. They got one eye on what's what's coming next. Now, there are a lot of gigs in the States. It's a big old country in mm. the digital age, of course. There are there are more opportunities than ever before. But at the same time, my point is it's highly competitive. So even if you're a superstar Hall of Famer all-timer, necessarily mean that you're gonna get the gig. So they'll have vetted JJ Watt and they will know that they will know that he's feel that he's gonna be able to deliver. It's gonna be interesting to see him. So this is where it got me thinking, Betty. Who
1: are your favorite all-time ex pro analysts? So, when I when I saw about JJ Watt, I thought, you know, he's he's a fun character, um even when he made the announcement on Twitter, he said he's taken a job with CVS, um the uh <laughs> the fa- the pharmacy chain. Nice. And then came back and said, "Oh, sorry, I meant CBS." Um which kind of gives you a little taste of how of how he's going to do. It. Also, he did it wearing a, a Burnley FC t-shirt, which I thought was a nice touch. Um <laughs> yeah. I, I then started thinking about I'm talking now the like the pregame shows. And those big pregame shows that they have on on Fox and CBS and ESPN, it is ultra competitive, like you say. You've got to have a name and you've got to have a bit of personality. And the two the two people I think of when I think of like the, the pre-game stuff that I've seen are two people who I think are they can alienate some people, let's say and that's Deion Sanders and Michael Irvin. I mm. always enjoy them on a broadcast. We're not going to see Deion Sanders on many broadcasts now that he's a uh, a head coach at a major college football team. But him and Michael Irvin, when they would be doing things on ESPN together, I know there's like a certain amount of shtick and you've got to be able to accept that, okay, this is how they're going to do it. But just, they seem to be having so much fun with it mm. because there's enough serious analysis, although a lot of the pregame shows are quite surface level and you get a lot of better analysis in the games. And I, I will briefly get onto that in a sec, but I just love the fun and energy that Dion and Michael Irving would bring when it comes to in the booth analyst, former players. I, I loved Dan Fouts. I thought he was fantastic um, at doing that, breaking things down like a real kind of quarterback's I used to find that fantastic um and nowadays trent green yeah
0: i was gonna i was um, gonna go green yeah it's interesting because like, we hadn't you know we hadn't spoken about other than Um hey, i want to get into this we had a brief chat on whatsapp but we hadn't said who we we're going to say it's interesting i was going to go green as well i think he's brilliant
1: yeah and the thing is is that i think what it shows is that it's not always the higher profile players now there's something i'm going to say later in this episode about joe montana but joe montana was the most famous player in the NFL. And you don't really see him too much because he clearly did not want to do this sort of work. Mm. But he would have got a job instantly. Now, whether you stick around or not is whether people actually respond to you kind of when you're when you're there. But like, if you're Trent Green, obviously he was a starting NFL quarterback and played in many games, but perhaps he's most famous for going down injured and letting Kurt Warner take his place and become a Hall of Famer, rather than just Trent Green, who was a pretty good quarterback you get him in the booth and there's just so much that he understands and that he's able to he's able to to break down i just i i love i love his broadcasts mm. i think he's absolutely fantastic i think he's really underrated and i'm i'm pleased that i'm i'm pleased that you that you feel you feel yeah i love to is- agree
0: because because look of course you can't and i know that i know the um edge has been slightly blunted from it was an incredibly high bar that he set Straight out of the traps, you can't discount Romo. He's still brilliant. I, I know yep. that there is, yeah, it, 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 it's faded a bit uh, from where he where he was, and that whole shtick of calling the plays before they happen, and to, but that still, I think, was still superb. And and a lot of people have mimicked that now. And and it's one of those things where you think, why wasn't this done before? It was such a good idea, mm. and, and you have got to have the right person, and that's no coincidence that. Of course, quarterbacks lend themselves very well to analysis because of how they uh, read the field and have to read the field. Michael Irvin, as you well know, and and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do, from stories we've told or maybe even the original broadcast, I worked with one of the NFL London games was in the booth with me and Carlson, and I was was in there as well. I think I think he was. I mean, Irvin was yeah everything you'd hope for, everything yeah. you would hope for. One of the highlights, one of my. Matt Rushmore broadcasting moments actually, that whole he's with us for about half an hour. Hit me in uh, a playful hat, like slapping his hand on my thigh to, em- to emphasize his point, leaving serious bruises. I mean, the <laughs> man had strength and hands that you would not, well, you probably would believe. Uh, ju- F- Off camera, exactly the same, courteous, effervescent. Everything you want, I I love that man, and that was that was Isla. He he is absolutely, absolutely up there. Where do you think the Brady thing will go? Because he talked about studio shows, and we've taken the piss on this show quite a few times. Uh, with uh, let's have eight people in the studio all saying something for eleven seconds. Simmons. <laughs> And Cousin Sal do this brilliantly with the whole, uh, they got there first with the whole, where they're teasing what's going to happen at halftime. <laughs> yeah. One. And they all have like a five, five, one, two second line. <laughs> it's just, which gets. Just, it's one of my favorite things about the NFL season, waiting for that, for that moment. I wish everyone <laughs> were on. So yeah, I mean, they, they, there's a slight bombastic superficiality about quite a lot of those a lot of those shows which to your point about someone like trent green so those shows invariably go for the superstar the very surface level the big jingoistic as even if whoever that ex player is an an and therefore analyst is in the in the studio is capable of a lot more depth than already allowed to necessarily go there. No. <laughs> Whereas obviously on a, on a booth broadcast they are right. So where do you think Brady is going to land in terms of the best
1: use for him? You know, I like, I get the idea of trying to put him in a studio to make sure that people are, people are tuning in even before the game. Like this is, this is Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. He's the most famous player of all time. Like, Obviously, he knows the game inside out, right? Every every successful NFL quarterback, especially, knows the game inside out. How well they articulate that is another thing. It's a bit like, I think of this, especially with domestic football, of players who are exceptional players, but then try management and aren't very good because they can't get people to do the things that they did naturally. So... I worry that with Tom Brady, although this isn't to say that he didn't work incredibly hard at refining his skills, there are certain things that he finds so innate and are kind of sort of easy to him that that's his instinct, that it can be difficult to explain those things that you just do on instinct, the things that you see because it's obvious to you. So he will go through, he'll go through so much training to kind of tease that information out of him. He will have so much knowledge In his head Mm. that I want I want to see him in the booth. I want to see him in the booth and really breaking stuff down because I think he can do that. Now, obviously, he'll get like parachuted into like the A team, basically. Whereas Trent Green is often like the third or fourth choice um AFC team. So, like if you're watching the games on Sky, if that's how you consume all your games, you'll very rarely See Trent Green on one of those broadcasts because they are they are like the marquee games of that of that time slot, and he's not getting those. It's only if you're kind of like watching your team play those play those games. You we're going to see a lot of Tom Brady, and I bet there's going to be a backlash. There was a different mm-hmm. sort of thing, but Kirk Herbstreet doing Thursday Night Football on Amazon with Al Michaels—a backlash against Kirk Herbstreet and there didn't seem to be the chemistry between Herbie and Al Michaels. On those broadcasts, there were a lot of poor games. It's Thursday night football that happens. But for me, I've actually spent a decent amount of time around Kirk Curve Street and I love the guy. And he was so different on those broadcasts compared to all the college football stuff he does. And on ESPN, yeah, Jim, this is a he great pre-game and then they fly into the game. He does both. It's it's
0: a really good point that. Um you make there's so many good points you make, Benny, as usual. But it's a really good point on cup Street, because, yeah, it was really dry. And chemistry sometimes often just does isn't there. And it's not at the fault of any each of the, or any of the individual broadcasters. It just doesn't click. It can be just the medium, which sounds like an obvious thing. But taking him outside of his comfort zone, NFL versus college, doesn't mean that he doesn't have the knowledge or the technical capability, but it's different. And those things can start to... Manifest himself in his head, and then the producers overreact and they're trying things. And it sometimes things just don't flow. I've been in in situations where the best will in the world doesn't all, conversely, it just clicks from the get go. I've always said that the first Super Bowl I ever did, the first time I ever worked with OC was the Super Bowl that was in Arizona that we did from the BT Sports Studios in London, which ended up being, of course, the BBC they were the original we used them for channel four back in the day and then they were the BBC studios. Uh and OC rocked up. It was me and Carlson and uh Vernon and Gethin were out in Arizona with Phil the producer. Shout out Phil Spooner playing with him on Tuesday in our Kentish Town Five-O Side League. And uh, <laughs> OC rocks up at the studios 10 minutes before broadcast. So we didn't have any any pregame. Uh as you'd expect. The Cool as a cucumber, and the show starts. And within two minutes, I could tell I like this guy. We're gonna work well together. He compliments Mike brilliantly. This just this what this is what it just worked because they're so good, right? It just clicks. But that doesn't always happen. There are other situations I've been in where it's just that's eh, not it, it's not so much. So I so I do sympathise. And when you're listening to someone like Michaels and Herb Street. If it, particularly as Ben says, if you know that someone like Kurt Cobain is really a really good broadcaster, it's just not the right gig for him. Or just calling play by play in the NFL, this might not be the right gig for him. You got me thinking, as you were saying, and we're going to get onto your movie. When you said the A team, just very <laughs> quick, quickly, Betty, quickly, <laughs> who would make which <laughs> which which TV characters would make the best? broadcast NFL crew I'm gonna go off the bat with I'm gonna go am I allowed a three-man booth. oh I I I think I think you I think yeah yes okay I'm gonna go mm, I need to think about who called play-by-play here so I think I'm gonna say um (laughs) I'm gonna say so I'm gonna go Tony Soprano, Hawley and (laughs) Sill. I was gonna say I was gonna say why well, oh yeah well, yeah who who calls play by play out of those three though tony i think tony, tony, tony has to has to I think tony. Uh, really abruptly not doesn't really offer much like quite angrily and aggressively yeah and yeah. then and uh, paulie's paulie's cut paulie's paulie's breaking down,
1: <laughs> paulie's breaking down. what's that and seal's just kind of chiming in yeah he's that, he's that, making man. he's making a lot of the pop culture references and paulie's and just Seal. going off on yeah. off on yeah and paulie's going off on off on tangents about the game that make absolutely no sense. And Tony's <laughs> trying to keep them in line and just getting angrier and angrier. Oh, and I would watch any game that Any they
0: game. Did. I would any watch game. a Thursday night, one and nine, Titans versus a two and seven, Jets. No chance of either making the playoffs. Thursday night football, 6-3, Slugfest. I'd watch it.
1: Yeah, and I, in fact, I might prefer that to one where it's like two playoff contenders because I think they'd get too focused on the game. Whereas I think you, they they would have to distract themselves from terrible football, and it would be oh. it would be there would be threats. Hallie, in the booth. Paulie would just go go off. <laughs> but on would you? Okay, coaches and players. Would you? <laughs> Like there is, there has been a there has been a four man booth. I think it's a it's a terrible idea, but we've had we've had them recently. If I mean, how would you feel about the actual A team, the nineteen (laughs) eighties characters? Obviously, you'd have to have Hannibal as the as the play by play guy. Yeah, but like Murdoch would just, I think he would suck a lot of energy out of it. I think it would be difficult. Howling mad Murdoch would do so much over the top stuff that it would be very difficult for for face. And BA Baracus to really give their sort of insights. Yeah, like would I think, break I think down. so. Hannibal
0: calls play by play. Mur- uh, Murdoch just goes off. Uh, BA is looking from a very defensive perspective. So Hannibal <laughs> will go to BA for any uh, any kind of edge rush, defensive line play. Maybe face would be oh they've had yeah. Would face be sideline mate? Maybe they've oh that would face. yeah that would be good. That would be good. Face goes sideline, but he rarely interviews. Where follows his assignment, he's basically just shagging ch- up the yeah. cheerleaders. Yeah. In the Absolutely. Time. Uh, I, I, the original A team is a great shout. The last yeah. one I'll throw in there is, uh, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to my to my roots. I'm going to go cheers. Oh, lovely! Yes, perfect. I I, I want Fraser in the booth. <laughs> so it's difficult <sighs> to know who who misses out of the Carla is sideline reporter. Really, I'd Woody. I put Carla on one side. I put Woody on the other. Oh, nice. Okay, so you got side, respective sideline reporters. So I love that. Um, really aggressive interviewing technique from Carla. Um, yeah. The no sensitivity at all. So if just lost a playoff game, what the hell was that? Uh, kind of question. <laughs> yeah. Sam has to be play by play. Although yes. actually, maybe maybe play by play because Sam could give the athletes perspective in the booth, and it, does he I give mean- like really? To our point earlier, surface level, <laughs> he hasn't done any yeah, research, Sam at all. Yeah,
1: I feel like I feel like Sam's not not the not the sort of person who's going to um, criticize his peers on air in that way. I think right, he feels right. this is that this is a fraternity. But I think <laughs> Fraser would be obviously Fraser. He's got a broadcast background. He's a, he does a lot of radio, so he would be very slick on the play by play. He would be an Al Michaels yeah, be style. Great. I, I think Sam would end up feeling a bit bland because he wouldn't want he wouldn't want to be too mm. critical.
0: So, are we having a three three person booth there as well? Well, of oh, coach, of course, has to be going old school. Cheers, coach. We've just lost all the Gen Zers and the Millennials. Although Cheers, it's Cheers it's on Comedy Central, Friends style is getting some kind of reboot. Oh, I mean,
1: if you if you are listening to this and you you think like, oh, what this this show sounds really old and rubbish. Trust me, yeah. go back and watch it. Now I know now that you're obsessed with Cheers to the point that I still remember I was on I was in honeymoon, uh, in New England, and flicking through the channels at the at the lovely B and B and Cheers came on, and I I instantly went to went to text you and I thought I'm on my honeymoon. I'm not texting <laughs> that to say I'm watching Cheers.
0: I love <laughs> it. I it is one of the greats. Shout out Rob Long, who um I've told that story before, but if you know you know. Uh, I love Cheers. And I love that. That's a whole episode I want to really explore. <laughs> is, and let's hear from you as well, gang. Fictional characters oh. in the booth. <laughs> Actually, yeah. not just the booth? Fictional characters as NFL broadcast teams. That's what we yeah. want to hear. We oh, can, oh, we can is... open up the studio. The whole supr- the Sopranos in this studio might be, even, might be <laughs> even better. Oh, God, I love it. Okay, so speaking of whole other shows, shout out to Rakesh. I recognize the name Rakesh from our social channels. He gets in touch with us a lot. Big fan of the show. Loving your all-pro status, Rakesh. Uh, And in particular, you have just cemented all-pro. All-pro fan status for this, if nothing else. Uh, Introducing the draft game. Now, this is the AI plugging into... I think Rakesh had suggested this, hadn't he? let's, Let's play with chat GBT and see what happens. Introducing the draft game that Rakesh has put in. Logline, a young and ambitious NFL draft intern, Ben Isaacs, finds himself caught in the middle of a power struggle between an under-pressure head coach, an impatient owner, an angry radio reporter, as they all fight for control over the team's future. This is where it stretches the boundaries of credulity. Ben Isaacs is a bright and determined young man, Many <laughs> <laughs> of those may be determined, <laughs> with a passion for football and a desire to make it big in the NFL. He lands an internship with the New York Giants as a draft analyst eager to prove himself and make a name for himself in the world of professional football. Oh, Betty Rakesh, this is brilliant. I want regular updates on this plot. It's amazing. He suggested there's a love interest for you as well. Uh, (laughs) Rakesh, you're a genius. Get us, every time Ben's on, we're going to have an extra chapter of this one. And any suggestion that Rakesh can feed the AI with... Story, uh, character introduction, story deviations. Please get involved. We're gonna crowdsource this this all the, way, all the way to Hollywood. All the one way of the to the thing. What are those? One... What are the, those? Move... Hallmark, it's a Hallmark movie.
1: Yeah, one of the things I loved about it is the idea that, um, that the, the AI has decided there's a chance that an intern and a radio host could be battling over control of an NFL franchise, like a I billion dollar that. operation. I but love it I think Carlson I would- got
0: involved in some of the social and he didn't want to be the he suggested that I was the GM and he wanted to be the wizard the pacino uh you know jaded coach of course Carlson what's the yeah, cool, yeah. Cool spot that's fine I don't mind being the the kind of the young gun <laughs> yeah yeah younger GM <laughs> to Carlson's A. I mean that kind of that kind of makes sense right um but yeah you're you're in the middle of it uh, we got a prop is propo the intern <laughs> I think he might be I think propo uh, is, pro- uh, is... oh you know what propo is Propo's the quarterback propo is oh propo yeah. is the quite cocky tr- like um uh he's the he is the cocky number one over no what do mean number one? like no seven. no I think
1: I think I think he's this he's this He's the starting quarterback at a really small university that is not getting a lot of publicity, Yeah, but I'm adamant he's the guy to turn it around.
0: (laughs) Carlson's not buying it.
1: Yeah. I'm on the fence. Yeah. Like Carlson thinks this guy is a bomb. You're there like, I'm not so sure. You're kind of like, you're enjoying the glamour of being a GM. You're not sure if you want to kind of put risk your reputation on a, a a fifth round quarterback who I'm like, look, Just hold out. Hold your nerve. Get this guy. I'm going quite showbiz. I'm going
0: Kingsbury Condo. I'm not really paying attention. Carlson's just rallying at everyone that will listen. And it's drinking. Carlson's drinking late night in bars with his defensive (laughs) coordinator, whiskey, whiskey and beer, wire style, like like, um, uh, Bunkwood. He is. Getting more and more pissed off with the situation. Right, okay. There you go. Rakish, roll with that. Those yep. those storyline threads, and we'll see where we land with that one. And, and like I say, let's let's crowdsource more. So at the NC show with any ideas for that one. Right. So the first movie, Benny, entered into the NC show hall of fame. Drum roll, please.
1: Is it has to be Rudy. It has to be Rudy. Yeah. Possibly the most famous college football movie of all time now when i did catch it late night on itv back in the 90s i missed the first 15 20 minutes i hadn't heard of this film bear in mind i didn't have the internet at home i would have seen this in about 1996 1997 something like that so i didn't really know the story so i didn't know that the film was based on a true story so i was enjoying the film but as it kind of reaches its conclusion i think well this is a bit far-fetched i'm enjoying it but it's far fetched. And it was then, I think, a couple of years later, it coming up on a, a Sky Movies channel and watching it again, realizing, oh, this is true, having the internet at home, looking this up and like, oh wow. Like the film is actually reasonably accurate to the way to the way that it happened. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil the end for you, but what you need to know about Rudy is it is a reasonably accurate, true story of a walk-on player at the University of Notre Dame. So a walk-on means they don't have a scholarship. They basically just try out for the team. And if you're at the University of Notre Dame, you know that you have high 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 school recruits, people who every every university in the country was trying to get, and they've chosen to come to Notre Dame. These are the people who are playing. It is not just like, oh, let's get that tall guy throwing the frisbee around on the, on the quad. And... <laughs> Rudy Rudy Rudiger to give him his full name, which is amazing. Rudy Rudiger, um, he just desperately wanted to go to Notre Dame. He loved the idea of playing football there. He was enamored by it, and he became a walk-on. But just he was getting to take part in practice. But he was desperate to actually get on the field. And really, the 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 point of the film is is that can he get on the field and what will happen? Now it's got a great cast, right? So Sean Astin. Of the Goonies and um, Stranger Things fame, depending on your age, mm-hmm. that's where you'll know Sean Aust- Astin best from. But like, it's an absolute who's who. It feels like there's a lot of there's a lot of TV movies that have told like true life stories from American football history. But this one obviously was a big Hollywood production. Um, so Ned Beatty's in it. Charles S. Dutton is in it as a fictional character, but Charles S. Dutton plays like a groundskeeper. He's really important in the film. But he's not real. John Vince Favreau Warne's in it. Yeah, John Warne. Favreau and Vince Vaughn are in it. They're both in it. Is this where they met? I, I, I don't know. It. That'd be amazing if, like, film history was started um, at this at this point. So yeah, they're both in it together. Um, Chelsea Ross, who and that's Chelsea. Sorry, that's Benny. Just like a ju- That's
0: where they met. They met. That's the- where they met. Amazing. Well, okay, this is that's- my deep deep dive Wikipedia uh, serious serious uh, research here. Um, yeah, his that was his first film role, his, Vince Fawn's first film role. Where he struck him a fit with John Favreau. Unbelievable. I mean,
1: that's how we got swingers, which is fantastic. Unbelievable. Yeah, sorry, carry on. Well, I was gonna say Chelsea Ross. And mm. if you're if you're listening and you're Googling this guy because you don't recognize the name, it's Chelsea spelled C-H-E-L-C-I-E. Um he's a character actor. You'll have seen him in so many things. You'll you'll see his face, you'll be like, oh that guy. He's brilliant in it as the head coach, Dan Devine, but they really do Dan Devine a little bit dirty in this film because they make it seem like he doesn't want Rudy to succeed. He's inherited Rudy. And in real life, it wasn't, it wasn't really like that. Um, he was much more supportive than the the film suggests, but for the, for the sake of the film, it works better if the, if the head coach is a bit like, now when it came out, this was stuff that I read later, Joe Montana, who was a Notre Dame player at the time that Rudy was a walk-on, was really talking up the film and how accurate it was and how this is all how it went down. And then many, many years later, I'm talking just a few years ago, Joe Montana really talking smack about the film. (laughs) And I think he doesn't like Rudy the person. And apparently this is quite a thing. That a lot of Notre Dame fans don't like Rudy Rudiger. I think the way that he's because he got he got this film made about himself. It wasn't like people came to him like, "Oh, we'd love to make a film." He was like, "They should make a film of my life because it was amazing." He is very much a man of self promotion since his days at Notre Dame. And I, Joe Montana, and this is why he was in my thoughts. And the fact he didn't do these TV analyst jobs, he didn't become this sort of person. It doesn't seem like it suits him. But Joe Montana, I think as time has gone on, because Rudy is such a big film in America, I can imagine lots of people meeting Joe Montana, who aren't huge football fans, saying, oh, you must know Rudy from that film, Rudy, and Joe Montana thinking, I won all these Super Bowls, I won all these games at Notre Dame, and they're asking me about a walk-on, and I think it's just annoyed Montana to the point where he gave an interview saying, like, nope. This wasn't like this. This wasn't like this. Yes, the players did this, but it was more of a joke. They meant it sarcastically. He's like really trying trying to slag off Rudy, the person. You know, just on
0: on a slightly self-indulgent, but hopefully relevant, quick tangential point, when I had uh, the pleasure of interviewing Joe Montana, it was twice in the same day. So I recreated the catch with him (laughs) and... um, Uh, and Neil Reynolds um, (laughs) both of us uh, recreate the catch with Joe Montana at one of those tailgate things at one of the NFL London goes but then later on I interviewed him uh, for TV and asked him his favourite John Candy film of all time also I think I suggest I planted it was Uncle Buck and he agreed with that uh, which automatically put him along with Michael Irvin actually into my all time (laughs) favourite but he was absolutely that brilliant balance of chilled fun up for a, that kind of questioning but you also got a sense of this guy just does not mess about you're like he doesn't like you yeah. know what to get the wrong side of- <laughs> yeah, Show, yeah. Montana.
1: I-, I get the impression that rudy may have got on the right side <laughs> apparently so at some yeah point, and possibly put himself on the same sort of pedestal but like the film how looks- does it stand up for you
0: benny now in terms of is it one of those films that you can just click into time and time again and you will and it's a comfort zone. It doesn't matter where you're picking it up in the film. If you're just flicking it on, you're just like straight away, I'm, I'm going to watch this.
1: Yeah, it is. It is absolutely like that. It is. It is kind of comfort food. And one of the one of the things that means that it really still stands up is how good the football scenes are. And they were they were produced by NFL films. And you can tell how like just from watching those compared with a lot of other football films that are decent, the action scenes don't look right. This I mean, looks like an NFL films production. This
0: is going to come up a lot, I'm sure, when we're getting into this, because just the, the context of there's any any football film. So I know there are going to be maybe some controversial selections. Like if someone wants to go Jerry Maguire, I, I, I would consider it a football film, but... Uh, like, uh, yeah, me too, me too. Okay. But I know there are going to be some marginal calls here, but irrespective of uh, that, if there's football action in there, this is the big, big thing, right? How credible or otherwise is it? And actually, if it's so bad, and it doesn't have to be NFL, it can be football. Full stop. So, high school. If it's so bad, does it then almost elevate it into legendary status because it's so because it's so <laughs> yeah. bad? Uh, Rudy, it, so it's credible. You're buying into the action scenes, and you feel
1: that it's plausible. Yeah, you really do. It feels like you are watching one of those classic NFL films documentaries. So it will go from normal drama and then you've got those sequences and it still then just feels also timeless in the way that a lot of those NFL films documentaries, they feel timeless because you can watch stuff from the 60s and 70s that NFL films have produced and you can watch stuff from, say, last season. And beyond the fact that one is in 4K and one isn't, Mm. it feels the same. It's got, unlike when you watch, say, highlights of domestic football from the '60s and '70s, compared with now, which looks like a different sport, NFL films make it so it doesn't. And one of the other things that just really makes it feel real is how much of it was filmed at Notre Dame mm-hmm. and on campus. And they're really strict; you can't just like be like, "Oh, we'd like to make a film here." Everyone wanted to make film for decades, making films about Notre Dame football, and Notre Dame were like, "We can't just keep having film crews here," so. Back in like the 30s and 40s, they would often make films of like real people. So it's like, oh, we've got to have a film about Joe DiMaggio. we got to have a film about so-and-so. So there was a famous film about Newt Rockney um, of Notre Dame that was filmed on campus. And then because so many others wanted to film there, Notre Dame were like, no, never again. It just it's too much of a hassle because it's the most famous university in America when it comes to sports. We can't keep doing it. And they made an exception for this because they were convinced this isn't a football story. It's a human interest underdog story. Mm. So that persuaded them. But my God, if you watch that, in the same way that Rudy himself grew up wanting to go to Notre Dame and seeing Notre Dame on TV and thinking, oh, this looks amazing. What an incredible campus. The way the uniforms just shine in the sunlight. You watch the film and you see the campus and you see all the mythology and history around Notre Dame. It would make you think, I, w- I would like to go. To go so, okay, a couple of things. Firstly, just jumping
0: back to plausibility of football sequences, is that the equivalent or the sporting movie equivalent of nightclub scenes?
1: Oh, Where yeah. You- that's, that's, nightclub that's a slash
0: nightclubs in particular, right? Where yeah. sometimes it's absolutely bang on. I think dreadful film that it was, I think the Miami Vice movie... With God and I think they do. I might be wrong. I might have got this the other wrong way around. Uh, I've only seen it once, but the, okay, that's like okay, this. I, this is a plausible hotspot versus I want to. I'm going to do a bit of a deep dive into really bad nightclub mm, nightclubs. Like you know, high school movie, high school prom da- dancing. Hey, this is this party is really going off. <laughs> so yeah. well, the party in weird science. That's a party, right? That is yes. That's rolling. I can believe this is this is the best party on the block. Versus, versus, is it like the the prom in Teen Wolf? Is that? I've got, got a feeling. Oof. There's quite. Uh, so yeah, but nightclub scenes in particular—that's something I want to I want to investigate. And I think it's a good, it's a good parallel. The other thing I wanted to uh, ask, just on the back of what you what you just said, was with. A, a, an underdog narrative where does Rudy sit with say, Rudy versus Invincible now
1: I don't love Invincible mm. I'll be honest and I think that's partly because I'd read enough about the true story that there were just a lot of deviations that like mm. I feel this the real story is amazing enough and all the embellishments just kind of spoiled it for me it's like no this was this was an incredible underdog story as it was you've added too much you've made it seem too unrealistic and i i instantly compare the two um and the thing is is that um mark warburg looks more like a football player than sean astin does and that is kind of the point in that rudy was clearly not a football player you know he worked really hard but he didn't look like he could ever he could ever play football i know invincible's got its fans and it was it's the it's I I connect these two in my head because I think that like Invincible is the archetypal NFL true story underdog film, mm. and that Rudy is the college football equivalent. But Rudy just feels much more real.
0: Betty, I love it. It is a worthy opening entry into our NC show movie Hall of Fame. We'll put uh, info about it in the show notes as well, so you go and seek it out. Yeah, if you haven't seen it. Go check it out. And as we build up this body of movies, you, a lot of you would have seen a lot of them, but there are going to be gaps. There are going to be, and I haven't seen really, I haven't watched Rudy for years actually. So I'm going to go back and watch it again because I haven't uh, I haven't seen it for a while. I've definitely got to get into it ahead of our trip to Dublin, Betty, in August. But the Aer Lingus College Football Classic, we are going to be there. Notre Dame, Navy. You can count on it. Me, Ben, Propo, another road trip. Last year was good. This year, off the chart. Can we record a podcast the morning after the game?
1: Oh my words. Can we do an um, 8 a.m.
0: 8 a.m. podcast? Probably
1: still half cut. No, I mean Propo will tell you that usually by 8 a.m. I'm only halfway through my third course at breakfast. Um <laughs> true. That that morning was a bit was a bit of a blur. You'll be uh,
0: through brecky We'll have, we'll have, old timers that we are, relatively speaking. We'll have gone back to the hotel. Propo, of course, will have found um a, a gaggle of Notre Dame college girls that he's been chatting up all night, and will have end up yeah. in some kind of dive bar at seven a.m. He'll be rocking back up to the hotel just as we've got to get to. We can record it in the cab on the way back to the airport with proper and possibly some uh some new college friends friends <laughs> peers. I, I already this sounds great
1: yeah absolutely it's it's going to be it's always um it's always a treat getting to getting to see live football but going to see Notre Dame Navy one of the most famous and storied rivalries in American sports and having it relatively speaking so close by is just such a treat and I think if you, if you watch, like anyone who's interested in that game, which should be all of you, you've got to watch Rudy, and it'll really enhance your appreciation of the of the history of Notre Dame. So, even if you don't make it over there, you get to enjoy it secondhand because it's gonna be, it's just gonna be amazing. Isn't it? it was so good last year, and oh, just I the idea really of how good. much better it's gonna be with Notre Dame Navy is absolutely ridiculous. We're going to have some guests on the show
0: in the coming weeks relating to that whole shebang. So I'm looking forward to that. Incidentally, coming full circle, if you head on over to collegefootballisland.com, register interest for next year's game because the Notre Dame Navy game sold out. But next year, already announced Georgia Tech, Florida State. So go full circle. If you've had trouble getting NFL tickets, NFL London tickets, get your hat in the ring here as well. It might be more straightforward could be your way to catching
1: some live football and, in the next and, and Florida State are they are looking like they are back like maybe not back like where they dominated the sport in the 90s but back to being a really exciting team to watch I think they're going to win a lot of games this season um, so just the idea that like FSU I mean Florida State Deion Sanders old school that oh, is Dion that's, coming over for it he has oh, will he be
0: on, I will have his hands full I guess we got to I get think, on Coach Prime if he does, right? We have got to get yeah. that's got to be Ollie's number one objective to get us I on mean, Coach Prime to get Carlson on Co- an episode <laughs> of Coach
1: Prime. And it, Deion Sanders was um, considered for the Georgia Tech job as well, mm. so we could we could have had that wonder because obviously he played in the NFL and Major League Baseball in Atlanta, where Georgia Tech is. That would have been potentially a really good a really good fit. But that is that I'm so looking forward to Florida State. I'm I'm a Florida State. Fan because of how they were in the 90s it was so exciting with the likes of the, the with the likes of deon sanders coming through that one is going to be fantastic as well that's two southern teams i'm hoping they're going to be bringing some incredible southern food and i just i love the mix of teams that we're love, getting for these games. Force, southern food <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I was one. I was wondering how specific I was going to get into the southern food, and I think southern I might food. lose people if I start talking about. <laughs> Chef oh, I want Brunswick southern. stew, and I Ooh. want. Hush oh, that sounds good. So I, want, oh, I yeah. want to do a food
0: episode, so I want to do like we're going to maybe do a whole episode dedicated to AI. We're definitely doing a whole episode uh, dedicated to fictional tailgate characters food. tailgate food. Yeah, yeah. Fictional definitely. characters uh, in NFL broadcast mode, and episodes on food. I love it. We're sort of. <laughs>
1: And if you're a listener who's interested in uh, tailgating, is there a chapter about tailgating in the new book from Ben Isaacs? Yes, there is. Oh, my so God. Get, get your pre-orders in.
0: Four plugs on the show know, for the book. Uh, but you've got to get in. We'll have links to that in the show notes, as, as we always do. So get your pre-orders in. Iron Mike's written the forward to uh, to that propo, his chapter on gambling. I'd buy it just for that. <laughs> uh, and uh, plenty more besides. So go get involved with that. Benny. Always a pleasure talking football and a bit of nonsense with you. Shout out, Americanish oh, crew, out there, old crew <laughs> over the last hour. Mate, look after yourself. Check in soon, bro. can yeah. speak to you
1: soon. Okay. Sports Social Podcast Network.